We'd like to welcome you tonight to the Waterloo Ice House on a beautiful Good Friday. Will you please give a warm Austin round of applause to Uncle Walt's band. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. We have a very special episode today, okay? This is unique. I always say special, but this is unique. This is definitely the most unique episode uh, we've done. We're sort of splicing together uh, some interviews and music tracks and that sort of thing of who, of what I'm about to tell you right now. Okay, so look, in 1982, there was a live recording from the trio Walter Hyatt, Champ Hood, and David Ball. Who are they? Uncle Walt's band. Now, there is a re-release, remastered, expanded reissue, okay, from Omnivore Recordings of that fateful night, all right? So basically, that's it. There's a re-release of an album that Uncle Walt's band recorded, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, so I have an exclusive interview with David Ball. That's right, the last living uh, member of Uncle Walt's band. And we have a very special guest, okay, more about that later. All right, so with David Ball, look, we got him on the phone, so he doesn't do Zoom, okay? He doesn't do interviews, So, but we got this done, guys, because this is a very uh, you know, important album, I feel, and just an important band. I mean, any musician you talk to, Uncle Walt's band's like, oh, my God. I mean, they are cult, cult, cult as cult gets, and just like uh, they influence so many people. That is absolutely true. So... Again, if you don't know about them, you're about to find out. And if you do, this is going to be very exciting. So look, they sent us a press release a, a little bit about, you know, explaining a little bit more about, um, you know, the album re-release. So I'm going to read a little bit of that. Uh, okay, first, and then we'll we'll get into some more. All right. Originally released as a private pressing in 1982 in the band's own Les Padeza label, which, uh, by the way, we talk about where that name came from in the podcast. All right. Recorded Live, which was the name of the uh, original uh, album that they uh, released, okay, back in 1982 again, was a document of their legendary shows at Waterloo Ice House in Austin, Texas. All right. And this podcast is about that. Okay. We talk about those legendary shows back then. It's awesome. All right. With David Ball and a special guest, which I'll mention later. All right. While those shows began around 9.30 and often continued past two, only 14 tracks recorded over four nights were made available to share the magic of the three virtuoso singers and players. All right. Now, after releasing the anthology and expanded versions of their self-titled debut and its follow-up, An American in Texas, uh, Omnivore Recordings will present a reimagined version of Recorded Live. So now it's titled Recorded Live at Waterloo Ice House. All right. So... This collection has been expanded to 21 tracks, all right, with seven songs from the original release, all right, so seven from the original 14, four previously unissued alternate takes, wow, and a whopping 10 previously unissued performances. Okay, guys, so this album is like, honestly, pretty kick-ass, to, to be frank with you. 
so the new package features, look, photos, ephemera, new liner notes from Peter Blackstock. All right. He's a music writer for the Austin American Statesman here in Austin. Uh, and, you know, restoration and mastering from Grammy winning engineer Michael Graves. Uh, and I can tell you, I've listened to all the tracks. They sound ridiculously good. I mean, they have just been beefed up. I, you know, it's hard to describe. Talk to David Bell about that, like how the tracks were just so powerful. You know, they really took them in like, but not, you know. But at the same time, you're not missing any of the authenticity, any of the originality. It's like you're there. Honestly, you close your eyes, you put on that album. It's like you're back there. It's pretty cool. Pretty great, to be honest with you. So, all right. So, look, recorded live at Waterloo Ice House helps paint a bigger, wider picture of Uncle Walt's band in their prime and certainly in their element. All right. Tracks from this collection, all right, have been performed, recorded by Shelby Lynn, Twang Twang, Shaka Boom, Kelly Willis, Bruce Robinson, Sean Colvin, Christine Albert, Gary P. Nunn, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, Junior Brown, and Jimmy Lafave. All right, so look, this is just, uh, it's just an amazing episode, okay? Got to be honest with you. So, all right, again, we have a special guest um, coming up. All right. Before we uh, I'll let you know who that is before we get into this. Uh, but before we get into the interview. All right. And look, we're, all, we're also going to be listening to some uh, clips of the tracks, too, uh, to get you guys excited about it. Before we get to that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, Texas Real Food. All right. We'll be right back. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. All right, guys, let's play a clip from uh, one of the my favorite songs on this re-release here, okay? This is... Um, just a little understanding from Uncle Walt's band. Tonight I find my reasons all the blind. How do I ask her? Why can't I tell her all I feel inside? All I have is not all I need. All I want is for her. Let's get to this interview, okay? Um, as always, check us out on social media, Lone Star Plate TX, our YouTube channel, The Lone Star Plate, and of course, for everything else, thelonestarplate.com. Please subscribe, like, or follow. And thank you so much, as always, for supporting us. All right, so our special guest is Gary P. Nunn. That's right. So I got a chance to talk to Gary Nunn about you know this movement as well before I talked to David Ball, uh, actually. So there's going to be uh, a little bit of uh, Gary Nunn first. All right. Then we're going to go uh, to David Ball uh, afterwards. All right. And I'm going to come back uh, after the Gary Nunn uh, interview to help uh, lead us into that. So first, let's start with, uh, with a little bit of this Gary Nunn interview. All right. Let's enjoy they were they rehearsed relentlessly. You know, Steve Clark, who opened the first Waterloo Eye House originally, was their 
was their great supporter and benefactor. Uh, he had a store that he opened up in downtown Austin where he catered to, you know, lunch and, and after work business, you know, for downtown office workers. And it was a two-story building, an older building downtown, and the whole upper level, you know, he made available to them uh, to uh, to rehearse. And I suppose they could stay and sleep up there if they wanted to. But, uh, <laughs> I never went up there, but I, I know that, uh, you know, he made that space available to him, which is, you know, for a, a working band, that's, uh, that's quite a... That's everything. Uh, quite an asset, you know, to yeah. have those... And then just, you know, move the equipment downstairs and do the show at night. And, and they did perform wow. there on a, on a regular basis, but, but Steve Clark, uh, you know, was just this wonderful guy and still is, but I think he sold his, his, uh, Waterloo ice house. He, he eventually opened several around town, but yeah, but yeah. that, that was the one where, you know, he focused on, on, uh, you know, having music shows. Do you think that that's really a key to their success was them just re practicing so much and rehearsing so much and just playing together so much behind the scenes that when they did it live, it was like nothing, you know? Right. Oh, I'm sure it contributed, you know, a great deal to, uh, you know, their, uh, their performances and, and, uh, just, uh, of course that, you know, when you, when you have that at your disposal, it frees you up to not have to think about, oh, where are we going to rehearse or where are we going to get together? Or you can get together yeah. at your house, my house and, sure. and all that. So it, 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 you know, it just, uh, frees you up a, a lot of, uh, of, uh, extra effort <laughs> yeah. to, to, uh, you know, to get that rehearsal done. You know, that's such a great point that, that that I don't think fans understand if they've never played music or whatever, you know, that that is a big issue for musicians is a finding a place to rehearse, especially if you got a band and, uh, you know, loud sounds. It's like you can't just do it anywhere and you're you're constantly, you know, lugging equipment around. And like you said, can we do it here right. and there? Or can we, you know, go over your house? And no, my, you know. My wife is like, yeah. you know, we got to get out of the garage and, you know, we, we got to find a space. And then now you're putting down money for a monthly, you know, becomes part of a bill now for the yeah. band and, and, you know, yada, yada. Right. So, yeah, that's you're right. That's a that's a amazing. huge help. Amazing. You know, so, you yeah. know, you just get yeah. up and coffee and have breakfast and, and go to work. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so great. So it, it, wow. For minutes, I know from my own standpoint right now, you know. Of course, uh, all my guys, you know, they have families and and uh, wives and kids, you know. So it, it's practically impossible to get to get them together anywhere, you know. Sure. Because, <laughs> but, you know, so, well, how much is this rehearsal going to pay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, all that is a, is a tremendous benefit for them and and sure. help them along greatly. Plus it they had a popular venue uh, there to perform in so they could, you know, uh, generate some income as well. Yeah, it's just like a compounding interest, being able to rehearse Absolutely. and perform right there, and it just built on itself, you know, massively. And, yeah, what, what a great thing. And, you know, it's also a different dynamic, and it's not like a full band. You know, you've got three people that are sort of leading the way, right, and, and finding a way to come together and – 
you know, do, do you think there was any sort of, you know, maybe somebody didn't want to be a lead or didn't want to be up in the limelight or was that ever an issue there? Or, you know, I know that's a lot that bands have to deal with all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in their case, uh, they, they, uh, uh, David ball and champ, uh, sort of recognize Walter as the leader. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speculating here, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, they, of course they, they were creative and songwriting and wonderful musicians and singers in their own right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for one guy, you know, to, create enough material and put a band together to do his own show. But when you have three, uh, very, very talented people that are like-minded, they come from the same part of the country and they're into the same kind of music and, and they're contributing their own songs. You know, there was, there was room for, for everybody, but, uh, yeah. to, to shine. And they all did. They traded around, but I, I just think, you know, Walter stood, uh, in the center and, uh, well, sometimes because David was taller, and sometimes I guess probably for visual effect they might have they might have set him up in the center, you know, so he'd have sure. uh, a, a symmetry in the in the image of it. But uh, yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure that you know they you know uh, deferred somewhat, not totally submissiveness, of course, but you know, deferred to his, uh, his leadership. And, and it was his band, I suppose it had his name on it, but they were all very much a part of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can't, you know, what, what it would have been like in those days to see them live and just seeing that grow. And, you know, there's a great quote that I got here. I'm going to read to you, Gary. Um, let me see if I find it here. Okay. So from Jerry Jeff Walker, look at that. It says, I would go see Uncle Walt's band at the Waterloo Ice House, drink scotch and soda, listen to Walter sing Ruby, and everything was all right. Uh (laughs) Right? Like that's such a, such a, first of all, such a Texan thing to say. It's so simple, but it means so much, you know, and it, right? And, and the effect there's just so much said in that, you know, just relaxing. It makes everything away. You know, you think about a tough day at work or whatever, a tough day and boom to, you know, to hear something like that and, and have it change you. And wow, just to be around in those times. Right. Well, you know, their, their music, you say relaxing, you know, their whole persona, of course they were, they were just the sweetest, nicest and, very handsome, you know, young men, and of course had a lot of appeal to, to women, of course. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but they were married. Uh, well, I don't know if Champ was married at that time, but he did get married during that time, and and David got married, and, and eventually uh, Walter, uh, he married a girl named Mary Lou, and uh, that didn't work out, and uh, eventually uh, he married Heidi which is, you know, Heidi is carrying the ball for this whole project. And, you know, she's carried the torch for, for Walter to keep, keep his music and memory alive all these years. And that's awesome. It's just really, you know, it's a great culmination of all that effort and persistence and determination to, 
to to have this project uh, finally come to fruition and uh, and they're out promoting it. Then, uh, of course, that's what we're doing here today. We're, yeah. Anyhow, Patrick, I appreciate you so much, and uh, I look forward to uh, shaking your hand, looking in your eye. Uh, I'll be happy for David to hear it, and I'll send my best wishes and greetings out to him as well while I have the opportunity. You know, I probably haven't seen David, you know, since he left Austin and went to Nashville. Wow. So how many years is that, you think? Years? Oh, it was, it was in uh, probably in the mid-'80s or no way. later-'80s. You haven't seen him when since he, the mid '80s. Not since he left town. I have. Wow. I've seen him on TV. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's play a uh, clip from the album again. Here we go. This is a uh, song called "Bye Bye Baby." I say bye. all right guys now it's uh that was a great you know interview with gary now it's time for uh our featured interview right with david ball i hope you all enjoy again this was an exclusive and just such a pleasure to talk to david about uncle walt's band and their influence on the music industry and this great re-release of this album so please go out and get this album um and uh yeah we'll have all the links and everything in the in the uh, description so you can get the album and um yeah just thank you so much for sticking around all right let's get to it mr david ball hello hello david this is patrick hey patrick how are you doing sir i am fine how are you i am honestly i am doing very well actually um, I've been listening to your music uh, for days and I've had uh, it puts me in such a great mood. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I really, really mean that, especially this morning. Just what music can do to you, right? Well, I've heard that about, you know, I had old guys that ran bars and nightclubs and they said, yeah, I like that first record you guys did. I put it on in the morning and it would make me put me in such a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. yeah. Not I, that you're an old, <laughs> old uh, club owner or nothing. But. Oh, I'm getting old. Uh, you know, I, I feel I'm getting old. I'm 41. I'm sure that's that's nothing. But uh, it, it, it definitely feels different. Uh, you know, that's for does sure. it. I don't you know, I just I, re, I just missed all of that. <laughs> hey, that's good. I'm starting to feel I'm 67 and I'm starting to feel it. But. <laughs> hey, that's a good sign for me. Uh, headed that way, then it's not so bad. It's no, not, so not bad. at all. Not at all. Absolutely. You keep your eyesight and keep your, you know, are you in Austin, Texas right now? I actually just moved from Austin this past weekend. I'm in Dallas now. Oh, right. I was in Austin for almost a decade. Yeah, so, yeah. I think we did about 10 years down there. 
and I, you know, of course I look back on it. It was just uh, miraculous. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Everything about it. And it's great. When's the last time you've been to Austin? Oh, I get down there every now and then, really about once every two or three years, but it's, it's difficult. It's sure. always hard. So I don't, I don't try to go, but if something comes up and, you know, everybody wants to go do it, I'll, I'll go. And, uh, we played, you know, Warren Hood, Marshall Hood, uh, you know, Warren is a champ's son, yeah. champ hood. And, so we'll we'll play some shows every now and then, and uh, we we played Dallas, I think, and you know different places. Sure, of course. How has Austin changed yeah. since you guys? I mean, let's say this record, for instance, right? It's just it's just not as cool, man. You know, it's a couple of bad. I mean, I can't help it. I love I that. Can't help it. I love that. It's just not as cool. That's the perfect it's answer. It's not as cool, baby. That, that's literally the most perfect answer I've ever heard for that. It really is, because most people go into like a thirty-minute diatribe of all the changes and this and that and. Uh, that's the best answer. In fact, I'm stealing that, David. I'm sorry, but I'm stealing that answer. That's I love that. That's so great. Well, there's there's, a, there's some truth to that. You sure. Know, to say it kind of kidding, but no, no. Yeah, it was always very cool. Very cool scene. Very cool people, all across the board. You know, and uh, just Texans in general. You know, sure. They just have a have a good thing going. Why Austin? Why did you guys pick Austin? Of all places, we were kept invited. We were living in Nashville, and uh, we'd been up uh, out of South Carolina, and we all made the commitment moved to Nashville. We had a friend here, Marshall Chapman from Spartanburg, and she was in the music business. And we came up and lived here for about a year, and we're starving to death. And we kept <laughs> meeting. We were kind of a folk band, really. Yeah. That was our setup. Yeah. You know, we played acoustically, and we. You know, Walter was definitely a bona fide folk musician. He he knew all that stuff, and Champ and I were kind of learning it. And so we started meeting these, you know, folkies from Texas, our musicians, and um, they kept saying, you got to come to Austin. So we did, and it really wound up, uh, it was just totally the opposite, you know, the the whole deal was saying, you know, you could really play a whole lot live and that's what we wanted to do. So oh, Austin gotcha. fit us perfectly, yeah. even though we were a little bit different than, you know, most Texas type sure. bands uh, sure. in Austin, that kind of worked to our favor, I think, because you stuck out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And the harmony, you know, we yeah. were really into that. Yeah. Three people singing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would go hear these other bands and there would be like 10 musicians on stage and they would have one singer <laughs> and, and three fiddles and no harmony or, you know, but it, it was, it was really great. We had a great time. No, I love that. You know, what's funny is like from a fan perspective, let, let's say just somebody who knows nothing about music, can't play an instrument, can't write a song. No. When you listen to a song, what do you do? You remember the lyrics, you remember the voice, you right? Like that's what sticks with you. So the vocal part of it, adding harmony. I mean, that's important because that's actually what most people uh, listen to. You sort of groove to the music, but you sing along to the words, right? So I think that's important to have. Right. They, you know, harmonies. some people, they don't even know why. They don't even know yeah. what harmony is. Yeah, that's true. It's like, we 
we've had people say, yeah, you guys all three sing at the same time. Why, why do you? (laughs) (laughs) I never, that's funny. Why do y'all sing at the same time? Why don't you take turns? Right. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. So we started after that, we started, you know, knocking that off a little bit. We didn't want to be labeled, you know, man. Sure. No labels. No No labels. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's interesting. So when you guys are playing, if anyone sort of tried to put you guys in a box where you guys like, nope, we need to change things up. We got to, we got to shock them with a song or something. Right. Right. Exactly. There was nothing off limits. Yeah. If I casually would mention, I liked a certain song, no matter how, you know, the total opposite of what we were doing or trying to do. Yeah. Um, Chapman Walter, I remember one time I mentioned just casually that I like this song called Hot Fun in the Summertime. I love that song. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't it wasn't in our bag. You know, sure. we weren't playing that kind of stuff. Well, they worked it up. And <sighs> so we didn't play it often, but we played it, you know, maybe five or six times. It was that's amazing. It was interesting. See, we were adventurous, and you could be back then. You know, people didn't, they got a kick out of it. And and the three of us being from Carolina, a lot of, you know, the the mainstream music in Carolina was kind of beach music. Uh, oh, oh really? Yes. Oh, yes. Under the Boardwalk. And, okay. Uh, you know, Mary Wells, when yeah. I was in junior high school, uh, all that early music like that was really big over there. Dance, you know, and see, Uncle Walt's band, we weren't really mainstream. We didn't, you know, because Walter, he wasn't into that type of, he didn't grow up in that in that world, that real, uh, you know, it's just a different crowd. You know how sure. when you grow up, everybody's in a crowd. So sure. Walter somehow was able to to grow up in this uh, kind of intellectual folk um, crowd, almost like a, it was like a throwback. You know, that was one thing people said about Uncle Walt's band is like they're like from a different era. That and, uh, that's awesome. What a compliment. That's because of the way Walter. Yes, yes, and he Walter even spoke. He later told me that in their house growing up. They got to watch TV for one hour, and that's it. One hour a day. One hour a day. Yeah. And so when Walter would talk, he spoke very slowly. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, my grandparents and old old people, you think they're talking slow because they're old, but that's the way I think people spoke back then, you know? It's, yeah. They just, before everything was radio and TV. Sure. Yeah, oh, I see. Spoke, yeah, oh, it's kind that's of a draw. Interesting. Okay. It so is it sort interesting. Of, that is interesting. Yeah. So it sort of sped up conversation when you add. Ra- You're right because they're talking faster. They get and then it just sort of bleeds into society and culture and how people speak and communicate. Yes, it does. Yeah, you're right. Wow, that's interesting. That and is. see, even though that had ended, because Walter kind of had this delayed his. His family, they, uh, you know, they they lived out. They lived in a log cabin, and uh, oh wow, know, they had horses and stuff, and um, they were still in that time zone kind sure. of. And it was great, you know, it was just great. That's where we used to rehearse over there, 
and they were just very genteel, southern, um, kind of quiet, but very, uh, Walter was always kind of very brainy, you know, he was always yeah. kind of thinking and writing and working on songs. It was, it was pretty, uh, exotic stuff. Was, was he like the type to just bring up stuff, you know, even outside of music, just thinking about stuff, you know, just what about this and what about that? You know what I mean? Just contemplating things. Was he that type of guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it just, he loved, uh, people like that are fast language and poetry yeah. and, yeah, that's awesome. you know, music. And sure. he, I think he kind of got it from his family. They were all uh, very talented people. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it was different. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, what's funny is I was, I was, you know, t talking earlier about listening to the, you know, the record this morning and getting myself going and what I've been listening to it for days, but um, you know, one thing I noticed that hit me today, in fact, was just how good the quality is on these recordings. It, it honestly sounds I don't know if this is negative or not, but it almost sounds like it's in the studio. Like I can't even tell it's live until I hear an audience clap or something. Like it sounds so crisp and good. And um, it sounds like you're right next to me singing. I mean, it's, I can't explain it. It's unbelievable. It really well, is. Well, that's fantastic. Yes. I, I thought, uh, you know, Omnivore got a hold of this and they can do nowadays, uh, amazing stuff. They made our first record that we cut yeah. in Charlotte, which did That's sound right. good. They made it sound even better. Wow. This live record always kind of bothered me because I always thought of it as a board tape. You know, it didn't sure. have any ambiance. A board tape. Omnivore gets a hold of it and they sweetened it up. They didn't tune it. That's us, and it's live. <laughs> but they just kind of fattened it up. You know, we all had pickups on our little acoustic instruments. And I I remember really not liking the way uh, some of those instruments sound. They sent you know they can get a little thin. Sure. But omnivore, you know they they run it through the mastering process and it it it, it improves it. So whatever I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they did, uh, the magic uh, technology, right? Uh, in twenty twenty one here, uh, that's amazing. Because uh, almost, you know, salvages it, I guess, in a sense. Uh, like you said, it fattens it up. It doesn't take away from the original feeling and emotion of those songs, right? right? It just amps, it almost just transports you back like if you were literally live there, you know, in it, really feeling everything and the bass and the song and the instruments sound great. I mean, they really did a number on those too. So, yeah, well, that's, that's amazing. See, I was kind of the tech guy in Uncle Walt's band. That was oh, okay. Roles. Right on. You know, I had to, I was into that. You, you were always Those checking everybody's. Uh, they, you had, <laughs> they had no idea. They, <laughs> if you left Jeff and Walter alone, they one time went up to Charlotte, North Carolina to buy a PA. And so they wanted me to come up there and look at it. And and Walter, for some reason, everything he bought, he only he wanted to buy it on time. He was big <laughs> into that. You know, it would be it would be like, well, we're gonna pay we're gonna pay thirty nine dollars a week. <laughs> and I was like, what are you? But I go up there and look at this thing, and it was it was like they had found a PA that was called something like the exterminator. I mean, it was just this big, <laughs> she, it was totally the opposite of what Uncle Walt's band, you know, that one 
one 15 inch bass speaker and then a big horn and yeah. a and a white fiberglass and it was made by Heil. Wow. Which they make, you know, steamrollers and bulldozers and stuff. <laughs> and I just thought, you guys are out of <laughs> your like, No, I think the reason Walter so liked it is because he they put together a deal, you know, so he ah, make okay. the payment. He liked to make the payment. Yeah, that is so f- you're like, I can't leave you guys alone for one minute. Right. right. <laughs> and I was just a kid, but I knew PA, you know, yeah. that was one thing I, I I did have a little bit of knowledge about that. So I appreciate that was one of my goals when we did that first record was that if uh, somebody, you know, back then there were things called audio file magazines and you could read these magazines and I was into it. Um, and they would review music and they would talk about, you know, especially if like some jazz record on blue note or something, they would talk about yeah. how the sonic, the sound, the range, the sound of the, bass, uh, whatever. And I wanted Uncle Walt's band to do kind of this folky record that would be reviewed, you know, because it would be sad, it would sound so good. That's a big part of, you know, the music. And, and we have certainly had the ability, like when we would rehearse over in Walter's log cabin out there, it just sounded wonderful. And um, that was the sound that, you know, we tried to create in the studio, but it can get a little dicey, you know, sometimes, but sure. um, so the first record, we, we almost got there, but you know, we went, we went in and knocked that record out in about six hours straight. And, uh, oh, wow. You know, it's hard. It's hard for an engineer to, to keep up because everything was moving around, you know, well, yeah. who's singing the lead on that? Well, yeah. we don't know. We don't, <laughs> you know, just hang on, daddy. Yeah. Just hang on. We're going to, we got, the, we're going to figure this out. I love that. that so like, so I, yeah. What's the name of this particular number you're going to play now? Well, we, 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 I, I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but it's a gooder. You know what's funny is like I think fans are gonna love this because it's like you guys were who you were all the time, right? Like you know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't a show that y'all. I mean, it's a show you're putting on court, but it wasn't an act that you were putting on. You know, in that sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you're di- different than than who you are up on the stage. I love that. That's that's amazing. That's 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 so amazing. Well, that's that's exactly right. You know, and that can that can work against you, but at the same time, that's it, it, when it's, when it's happening, it's really good. That's, I think that's part of, you know, what uncle Walt's band fell into. That's just, sure. you know, we all knew each other so well. So, you know, the minute, you know, somebody starts to pull some crap or something, it's, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so what I used to love was when we would have some, you know, some record exec come down and, you know, want to listen to the band or something like that. Why Walter would just get off into the most bizarre law. You you just never knew what was going to happen. And most of those people left our shows just, just like, I don't get it. What? what, what Who are these people? They're from where? They're from North Carolina. What? You know, just nothing made sense. Oh my God. But it was fun. It I, was fun. I bet it was, I bet he enjoyed that probably, right? That that they left like that. I mean, I bet that's what he I was think. Going for. I think there was, there was a certain amount of mischief. Sure. 
sure. in in Walter and Champ. You know, they it and I was so young and green when I was hanging around them. I didn't I didn't know if they were putting me on or not, you know, but uh, <laughs> they they certainly had their fun with me, I guess. So Yeah, that's part of being but, in yeah, a they, group. They, right? That's part of it. Yeah. That is part of it. Yeah, sure. so we Sure. We certainly did it. You know, they mentioned uh, th- this is this stuck out to me um, that people compared watching y'all, um, you know, during that time in Austin to like watching the Beatles back when they were in the ca- the cavern. I think it was called or or something like the cavern house or something in in England. Oh yeah. Um, I found that fascinating, and I could totally understand. I can totally understand the the similarity to to be frank with you like I really can I can see it and that's that's awesome I mean what a compliment that's like you know people were part of a movement and the best part about what what I read is that they knew they were in the moment that's even better so then you know to remember it right and really just live it you know what I mean because honestly a lot of times life is in hindsight right or retrospect or you know you look back and you go, wow, I wish I would have enjoyed that more. Or, or if I knew what it was at the time, you know, those sorts of things. So that's kind of cool to hear that the people knew watching y'all. Wow. This is special. This is not something we're used to. This is not something that's going to come around again. And we're going to, you know what I mean? Enjoy this. Mo- that That's just incredible. I just think that's. Yeah, that's like I say, Austin couldn't have been a better place. That's you know, great. Than, uh, there were a few folk clubs here and there and small sure. list, you know, listening rooms. There was a good one in Houston and um, Dallas. So, yeah, we, it, it was fun. And, and that was kind of the style uh, for a number of years. And um, I think really what kind of brought it to, you know, the disco and different types of music all of a sudden, you know, just became very, uh, mainstream and we kept kind of pushing uncle Walt's band to become mainstream but it you know it was uh there were a few songs out there and a few bands that were similar to what we were doing and it was kind of heading that way but that didn't last very long you know it just poof and um next thing you know every everything was kind of uh, i can remember when punk rock kind of came in and I just oh wow you know that's that's a wow and and to have success with that in Austin Texas I was like what what do you got to be so mad about (laughs) (laughs) you know because I mean Austin Texas was was paradise you know it was just wow they had the swimming and the water you know the yeah the neighborhoods had little swimming pools. And then if you wanted to go to God, we lived at Barton Springs and Oh wow. Wow. And then and wow. then if you wanted to get on the big water, you know, Lake Travis was out there. Yep. Yep. It, all it right was there. all very accessible. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, you're making me miss it now that I just left. Now I'm thinking about I'm like, dang, what did I do? What what did I what did I why did I leave Austin? No, my family's up here. It just made more sense uh, to be close to my family. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Austin is is definitely um, just a phenomenal city. And like you said, you know what's funny is people always say uh, 
I mean, really, every like five years, people say, well, Austin isn't what it used to be, you know, so I just stop even thinking about that, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, during that time when you, you guys are playing in, in Austin at the Waterloo, what was Waterloo like at that time? You know, because it's still, you know what I mean? I mean, it's you sort of still around and it's been around a long time. That, that's such a fascinating. And why why that place to do this live recording? Like why, why that, you know, why that place? Is it just because you guys play there all the time and that was just, you know, we're going to do it here? Well, the, water, the Waterloo came along a little bit um, later. We had gone back to Carolina for a couple of years and goofing around <laughs> and wound up coming back to Austin. And they were just opening this place on Congress Avenue. Yeah. And it would hold about 120 people. and. Uh, I was down there playing some in some other band and they played at the Waterloo and I thought, well, this would be great. Champ and Walker would come on. And so they did. Wow. And we started playing at the Waterloo and it, you know, it was just a big old uh, building and it acoustically, it sounded really cool. And Uncle Walt's band was not really a bar band. We were more of a listening room, and and Waterloo kind of fit that. We could play in there without any mics. We could play to about a hundred people. Oh wow! And yeah, and we built a stage so that you know you could just enough. And we sat up in the middle of the kind of in the middle of the room, and it was a lot of fun. And people. People were quiet, you know. They would really listen in that's there. Amazing. And, that's a, that's amazing. And so, especially in the, you know, February, January, when it would it would kind of slow down, we would play there, you know, a couple of times a week. I think, you know. What do you remember Twice. about those uh, recordings? Do you remember anything crazy about that? That yeah, you know? would, it it. We were kind of had more or less. It it was sort of toward the tail end of Uncle Walt's band because we were all going in different directions, and I think it was just a big last final effort. Yeah, because we knew that we could play live, <laughs> and making records was always, you know, it was good, you yeah. know. But we wanted to do it. People kept saying, "When are you going to do a live record?" Because y'all are so much better live. Well, that's because you, you know, you put us on a record. You can't see us. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think what they wanted was a movie. They just made a movie. Hey, like the Beatles, right? The Beatles, well, they made a movie too. Yeah. Love that. That's funny. Yeah. We could, we could even use that script and just insert our face. Oh man. That would actually be quite hilarious to be honest with you. I think that would be funny. You, I it, think it could that be would be a, a good idea. Right. A hard waltz night. That's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, keep working on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll put that on the notes over here to continue that. Yeah. <laughs> You're you got it. You got that, it. That's funny. That's crazy. I don't know. You know, it was, it was, we drew a lot of people from that had, gone to UT, but Austin is such a great place that people, you know, once they got out of school, they just stayed and they figured out a way, something to do. Uh, a lot of people had restaurants and, you know, just did whatever, 
you do whatever you wanted to do. And that's who got to come see us. They were become regulars, you know, because they had a lot of free time. And there were a lot of those kind of people in Austin, you know, they just uh, hanging out and uh, enjoying uh, life. And I think Uncle Walt's band somehow, you know, that's that's what we were into. We would put a big old piece of life out on your plate and say, <laughs> enjoy. Because, that. you know, I, you always meet people in the audience, you know, and they'll come up and, and tell you, you know, what what music means to them or what, you know, sure. and then they'll talk about their life. And, you know, it can be, sometimes it can be very sad, but uh, sure. yeah. if, if you can just play some music for them, it, music has the, you know, the ability. And it was always that way with me. You know, music was always listening to it as a kid. It would just take me away. Yeah. And I love that about it. And nothing else does that, you know. Uh, wow. So I think that's that's why all of us were into playing music. Uh, and w- Walter was just a master at it. He, uh, he, he was a great influence on, on me and uh, Champ. Yeah. At, at what, you know, his, his ability to write and... And yet, see, doing all that playing, it became more and more Uncle Walt's band, sort of becoming a bar band, because we had to travel. Sure. And we had to go out and play. And, well, you know, we're from Texas, so, you know, but Walter had all these songs that, you know, as far as bar music, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to (laughs) work. It's not that kind of thing. So we would try to find, um, you know, coffee houses and, uh, it, it'd been great if we could play theaters because that's what for your sound, you know, we, right? For your sound, yes, yeah. And just Acoustics. the way you know, it's listening music. It was sure. listening music. Yeah, yeah. That's and uh, after we would play, you know, I I like to go out and um, hear some of these honky tonk bands and stuff like that. And there was just always a lot of great music in Austin, all kinds of music. Um, potent, yeah, and uh, good, right. good music, great music. And still they, is, still is. Yeah, yeah. It they really make is. good sounding records down there too. I mean, drummers, they, they call it the live capital music of the world, right? I, I you know, I, I don't know wh- who gave it that title. To be honest, I, I'm not sure who did that. Uh, I did. I, you I, did. Yeah, I, it was you. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, it just pops out of my head. You know, what can I say? <laughs> <That is so laughs> no, funny. I don't know. But it's kind of true. You hear it. I mean, you go to the it airport, is. there's it music. Is. You go to the grocery store, they have a band playing at the grocery store. Okay. That's, you don't get that anywhere else. That's it, live music capital of the world. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're buying, you know, you're, you're sorting through cherry tomatoes and you're listening to some, you know, good live music. It's like, it's the whole, it's the whole thing here. Yeah. You, you know, what else I found, you, you talk about all the great music in Austin. You, you're so right. But what made y'all so cool too, is that, you know, people could go see y'all and hear a bunch of different music, right? You're going to hear different stops yeah. some blues, some jazz, some this, some that, right? Like that's awesome. That that's gives, that's, right. that's, I think that's another facet of why people loved y'all so much. I, I really, really think so. 
Yeah, yeah. And back in the day, you know, it was about new. Bring something new to the table. And uh, that's great. That's amazing. So that's uh, so amazing. We were we were old school, but we were kind of trying to do new, you know, new melodic, new melodies, and it I, shows. You know, we we listened to all kinds of stuff, and it it you just absorbed all that. You know, anything we liked, we would attempt to play it. It was kind of a learning process, you know. Sure. In front of a crowd, in a way, right? Like In front of a crowd, right. Yeah. And people and, get you know, to be a part I, of that. I remember seeing Walter and Champ. They had a duo. I knew Champ Hood in Spartanburg, and he played He played in a good band. They were a little older than me. And when Champ and Walter... I didn't know Walter. Um, oh. But they started playing as a duo, and I was in high school. And I would go and take about three or four people, and we would sit and listen to them. They played in this Italian restaurant. <laughs> I uh, love that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, boy, they just were killer diller. And so then they would start. Chant knew that I sang and played a little bit, so they start letting me kind of sit in with them. See, oh, wow. and that's what. So I would get up and. You know, and they started, they would play yeah. the college a little bit, and sure. this and that. So, you know, I do, would follow them around. And, do you remember the Champ first time? Say, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, what? The first time what? I, I was going to say, or, it, well, the first time that y'all sang together and you realized, ooh, this, this is something, guys. It was a slow, it was a slow process, but, okay. and, and see, um, but that would have been at that Italian restaurant. Wow! And uh, oh man, shout out know, to Champ anybody I, who who got shout out to anybody who got to go to that Italian restaurant and watch that happen. Oh my god! It was very cool, and oh. that was the place that, because it was like a basement. That was the place that was kind of like the cavern. You know, it was way down in this bottom wow. of this restaurant in the bar area, and. Uh, Nobody was ever in there, so, you know, it was, they were just bouncing around, learning, playing, yeah. you know, I think Champ might have been in the 11th grade, I was in the 10th grade, wow. and, uh, I think Walter was in college, Wow. and uh, it was very cool, yeah, and Walter had some songs, and they made, they made a tape, this is probably about 1968 or something. And they made a little tape, a reel-to-reel tape of some of their songs. And I thought it was fantastic. And I was pretty much a connoisseur of good music. I knew all the lyrics to uh, some Roger Miller, King of the Road, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Champ Hood would say, and now little David Ball is going to sing, My Shoes Keep Walking Back to You. And I, <laughs> I, I've never heard this song. And I mean, they, you know... They would get me up to sing a song, and I would sing uh, something. And, and I said, what is this? My shoes keep walking back. And he was just being funny. So I start looking around. I start looking around, and I find it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's pretty good. So he says that. Uh, and now here's little David. He would say that every time I'd get up and sing. And now here's little David Ball to sing. My shoes keep walking back to you. And so... 
<laughs> I get up and I go, okay, kick it off. And we did, uh, my shoes keep walking back, <laughs> which is kind of a, it's kind of a goofy little number. But Oh man, that is so funny. God, this sounds like such a great time. You know what I mean? Not just yeah. playing music, but just really building. Well, they were, you know? the, the fun was watching Jeff and Walter. Oh my God. They were just, um, it was just a mess. They were just, <laughs> We would get, we would get so tickled, and then it was just. God, I bet you know when it shows through the music, though, right? Like you're relaxed, you're calm, you're in the moment, yeah. you're you're having fun, you know. And it comes out in the music, it comes out of the performance. It really does. Yes, I think yes. so. Ah, oh, that's so fascinating, <laughs> Dave. I mean, really, that that's so fascinating. You know, I got to speak to Gary Nunn. Did you know that? Did you hear that? You heard that? Yes, you I heard did. that conversation? I right? sure did. Amazing. I wanted to listen to that. I couldn't get it to work, but uh, yes, Gary Nunn was uh, had the coolest house in Austin, Texas, and he lived out near uh, a little bit north of town. But it was a house set way back off the road, oh, so yeah. you could go back in there. And he always had a couple of musicians living there, and. <laughs> You know, it was just nothing but music going on in that oh. house. And it was always just wide open. If you happened to be in the neighborhood, you could whoop it in there, and there was always something going on there. Wow. And uh, he just opened up his doors and let Uncle Walt's band come in and uh, took us under his wing a little bit, you know, and showed us around town. And um, wow. he liked to go to this restaurant over in East Austin, I think it was Matt's old rancho or something. Yeah, like yeah, Matt's old rancho. Yeah, it's still around. Was that it? They had a little glass that had Matt's ran. I don't know. It's yeah. pretty good. It's still around. It's pretty li good. It's literally. Oh, still, is it? Yeah, it's still. It's still open. He was a very dapper dude. Yeah, it's still open. Wow, I didn't even know it was uh, around that long. And he drove a uh, checkered uh, cab. Just <laughs> what? Like a he had a kid. Yeah, that is a awesome. <laughs> big old check. It was cool. It that was is, cool. That is cool. That is so he had cool. transportation. He was a he was already a successful, you know, working musician. Yeah. And that's what Uncle Walt's band was trying to get going. So sure. he probably helped us with a gig or two. And you know, Jerry Jeff, they went on to do uh some extraordinary yeah. things, you know, just just perfect. You know, Jerry Jeff cuts that record at Luke and Bach and, you know, dragged all that equipment out there and boom, it was fantastic record and, uh, and, and got to stay, you know, and participate. And he just, he just was everything about all that music that he, he was just the essence of it. I thought it was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he told me to tell you, obviously, you know, hello and his best regards. And, you know, he, he was just so excited to talk about, uh, everything. I mean, it really, really was. Well, when you hear the whole episode, you'll hear his stuff in it too. So when, when that happens, you'll get to hear uh, the rest. I'm sorry okay. that uh, whatever, uh, I'm sorry the file didn't open or whatever. I apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, he, again, he had nothing but the greatest things to say about y'all. I mean, in fact, it was like y'all influenced him a lot. And that's what he said. Really? For real? Well, likewise, likewise. Yeah. Yeah, he, he just had. I understand. I was supposed to explain what lespedizo. Yes, was. yes, I had to. I need to ask you that. Uh, he he wasn't sure where that came from. 
Well, that came from Walter. You know, like I say, they were out a little bit. They had horses, and Les Padiza is like a. Uh, it was a great memory Walter had him and his father, and they would uh, when they were feeding horses. It, they, that's what they fed them. This Les Padiza hay. Oh, it's a type of hay. Yes, a and, grass or a hay. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I think Gary said that. Horse too. feed. Horse feed. Okay, interesting. Um, and he just liked that name. Just he to- just liked the sound of it, and he, and he connected it, you know, with a good memory with his dad. Ah, that's it. That's right. That's it right yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. That makes absolute sense. Wow. That is really cool. That's that's a cool yeah, that's yeah. a cool story. That's really cool. That's really neat. So he Yeah, was, and they, yeah. right around that time when Uncle Walt's band was getting together, Walter lost his father and it was not a good oh, situation. Man. No, and not so at he, all. you know, he weathered the storm, but uh it, sure. him and his dad were were close, you know, and uh that's tough. I only got to meet his father a time or two. Um, yeah. And it, it was kind of odd because they lived in this log cabin way back in the woods, but his father drove a giant red convertible. What? That is not what I thought you were going to say when you were like a giant red. I didn't. I was waiting for something else, right? Not convertible. It was a big red Oldsmobile, (laughs) huge car, huge. One of the biggest cars you could make back then. It had had a sail on it, right? It was so big. And I always wanted to go for a ride in it, but I never did. Oh man, that's crazy. Living on, yeah, yeah. They had some old truck that Walter drove and. Every time you have to jump start it, so we were always pushing that truck. <laughs> Walter, I think that's why Walter wanted me and Champ around. Yeah. Push, push that damn truck. He's like, yeah, we need to add some more guys to the band so we can help push the truck. Yeah. That's, that's how I got the gig. That's how you got the gig. Yeah, good shoulders. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was a stout little boy. I love that. That is so funny. <laughs> All right, David. All right, little David Ball. Get back there and push the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Not much further. Not much further. Oh, man. That is, that's absolutely incredible. You know, that honestly, I wouldn't expect to hear any other thing than, than he had a truck like that to be honest with you. Yeah. Right. Like if he said, if you said something else, it wouldn't make sense. Like that makes more sense. Uh, uh, you know, that, that makes absolutely yeah, that, the most sense. That, that fit. <laughs> yeah. That fits the, fits the whole thing. Right. It's a whole, uh, yeah, that's, that's so interesting. You know, what's, what, uh, what else is interesting is you said you, you guys really wanted to make it mainstream, right? Like that was, was that uncle Walt's uh, this will be sort of my last question here. We'll, we'll sort of, end, you know, obviously we'll talk about uh, anything else you uh, didn't mention, but uh, I'm curious about that, you know, because when I was talking to Gary, it was like, you know, uh, okay, what what do I want to do with my music career? You know, how, how far do I want to take it? And and I remember him saying, you know, I didn't want too mainstream, right? Like I wanted to still be me. I wanted to have control. I wanted to own my music, blah, blah, blah. You know, these sort of things that, that I totally understand from a musician's standpoint. But, but, you know, you mentioned that earlier about Uncle Walt's band. Was, was y'all's dream to be like, you know, on the cover of magazines and touring the world and playing big stadiums? Or what, or what was the sort of You know, of I, don't, 
I don't really know. We didn't we didn't really talk about it, but I know that um Walter especially was was looking for he was he wanted to get a go do a major record. Yeah. You know, so that he could explore um you know, his talent. Sure. He he wanted to do a a, a real you know with a real producer, uh, and uh, yeah, I I think playing in Uncle Walt's band, you know, as some kind of acoustic, um, my he was good at it, but it was kind of limited. Sure. And um. So that I think that was his dream, and then of course I guess we wanted you know the bar. Like I say, we were not a bar band, and the yeah. listening rooms were kind of. We so we thought, well, we we need to, you know, we got to do something, and uh, you know, we had some some rough experiences, you know, playing in bars, you know, that you know wanted more or less cover. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, play some Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> free bird, right? You just hear free Walter bird. Would, we, Walter would be like, what's a Skinner? What, what is, what is he? <laughs> we had no idea. What's a Skinner? That's a great answer. What, what, is, he, what is he saying? What is he? <laughs> what's a Skinner? He just orders from the bar. Give us three Skinners. I don't know. I think it's a drink. I, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know that song. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the Skinners. <laughs> Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> we totally we we were so bad we totally missed our, the whole urban cowboy thing. I didn't even become aware of it until about four years later, and I was like, "This happened right under our nose." What? What in the hell were we doing? Y'all were in your, you were in your own world, you know, doing your own thing. Yeah, we were. We were totally in our own. And so, you know, I think Walter being the big dreamer he 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 wanted the world to come to him yeah and and it did it could i saw it you know many times but um it that ain't gonna happen in some you know sure bar you know we didn't do covers if we did covers it would be like you know some fats domino song which is great by the way i heard the one they, that's yeah on they, they weren't they, gonna yeah <laughs> That's not what they want to hear, right? That yeah, that's like you said, they want to hear Skinner. No. They want to hear whatever's, you know. Yeah, so we started running into that. Yeah. It just kind of And but you know, Walter did a record after uh, on his own and you know, got to explore a lot of that and sure. uh, it was it was pretty I think I was the only person that liked it. It was such a change um from Uncle Walt's band. Yeah. But man, he you know, he Walter got in. He was he was always into people like Anita Baker and oh, wow. all this kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, he loved sure. that stuff. Yeah, I'd yeah. listen to it and I'd go, "Yeah, what? A, what? A, <laughs> are we going to start doing this?" <laughs> He's exploring. <laughs> and I, was, I would have to. I, I would try to learn to play some electric bass, and uh, oh, for wow. some reason, I just couldn't. I couldn't get you know and work with a drummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and if, it took me a long time to get to where I could have to find the right guy. Sure. That makes but sense. But anyway, no, it, that... was, it was a long, you know, it's 
it's a funny process, man. I was just glad that we got to do it, a lot of it in Texas, you know, and meet all those great people out there because they were. That's there amazing. Were a bunch of them, man. A bunch of them, and all all of them, you know, just fantastic. I thought. No, that's amazing. I'm I'm actually looking at some of these pictures here of y'all playing at the show while you're talking to me here. You know, wow, just amazing. Just it just looks so amazing. Y'all look so young here too. You know. Yeah, I guess we were. Yeah, yeah, you were young and and you know lively and making changes and uh, you know sort of a mini revolution in Austin. You know, music revolution in, in some sense, uh, you know, during that time. What what are your, you know, speaking of this uh, release of this, you know, this this new album that's coming out, what, what are some of your favorite tracks that are on here? Or Oh, yeah, I, you know, I, the, the ones that surprised me that I didn't really remember that much of, and one of the first ones I heard was Eddie's Girl. Yeah. And we didn't play that song a whole lot. But when I heard the recording of it, and this was a Champ Hood song, and he was kind of getting into, uh, oh, you know, this Elvis Costello Champ would follow some of, a lot of that, um, you know, guitar player kind of rock stuff. Sure. And um, I thought, wow, Eddie's Girl. And, and I thought, that's that's good. That's really, really good. No, that's um, a great song. But I, you know, I, it, there's, we had so much music. You know, we just had tons of stuff. Don't ask me, man. I'll tell you, this? yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, which one I've, I put on repeat for like almost a, you know, good. 40, uh -oh. I put it on repeat for like 45 this minutes. This is serious. Like for real, like almost an hour, I put on repeat. I loved the song so much, and it's actually your song, uh, "Just a Little Understanding." That's crazy. Now, is that just me and guitar? Yep. There's some harmony. They're they're singing a oh. little bit behind you, like a little something. You know, not necessarily harmony, but some backups. I hear, I hear, you know, a few oohs and ahs, uh, you know, in the in the back. It's not here. a string. It's not a string quartet or nothing on. Mm -mm. on that song it's beautiful it's such a beautiful song again i'm a big well, beatles thank fan you. Yeah. it's just such a beautiful song i mean it's absolutely beautiful well i appreciate that yeah i do there's so many good songs on this album i mean it really is 21 tracks it's crazy That's and these all... weren't even you know we'd already put out all yeah, the big what, exactly what you call the the, the main ones, yeah, the, exactly, numbers. yeah, the big, the big, exactly, the the main so this, ones. This was kind of the obscure. Mm -hmm. But what? That's stuff. what fans are going to want. That's what fans want, right? They want this. Well, we're going deep, man. Yeah, we're going deep catalog. Ex exactly, we're going deep catalog, people. You know, <laughs> don't don't be calling and and type writing a letter to Uncle Walt's band now, right? Like, hey, guys, they're going deep. Okay, they're they're giving you what you yeah. want here. Yeah, this is amazing. Again, the the mastering of them is. Phenomenal. We're gonna get a hit. I think we're gonna get a hit. Oof, I think so too, man. And honestly, I really think people are gonna be blown away by by again the the what they've done to these songs now, like updating them and getting them again, not you know, not eliminating the magic that made them special, but just beefing that up. I mean, it's they're really fantastic. It, it really is, and there's well, so yeah. much they do it. They really do a great job. They yeah. Do. 
they did. They always, yeah. They did a great job, and there's just so much, you know, like you said. That's a bit of luck to find them, I think. You know, that's just. Wow. Well, that's great. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's definitely um, good to hear for sure. Well, you know, um, like I said, there's just so many unbelievable songs on this. I mean, it's just, uh, you can't even name them. Well, Patrick, so man, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I certainly appreciate the interview. And oh, this has been This fantastic. is more of a food program though, right? You're well, we're, we're sponsored by a food company called Texas Real Food. Um, and I'm a chef. So, I, you know, I, I, I worked in the restaurant industry for 15 years and I've been doing the, now I'm a podcaster. I mean, I've changed careers now at this point. Uh, uh, because this podcast started to do so well, so we're we're in it, you know, doing this. Um, but well, yeah, that's fantastic. I do talk about food a little bit on on every podcast with anybody that wants to. I mean, everyone likes food. Everyone eats food, so we, you know, anybody can talk about food. I don't. I don't like. You'd like. <laughs> if I could get back to Austin, maybe I could renew that. But you know, up here they eat a lot of white beans, and I like white. That's the best thing they got: white beans. White they beans. Do a good yeah. white bean. Okay. White bean. Interesting. Like, I had my little like mashed little or how's it how's it made? Yeah, yeah, really. I don't who knows. <laughs> I think they cook it in a toilet. Right? <laughs> they, they take, you find an old abandoned toilet. You find an you old build a fire. It's ceramic, man. It's it's ceramic, okay? These sound like prison white beans. That's what this sounds like. This is like Yeah. <laughs> you eat it out of a tin pan. Yeah. You squat. You squat. <laughs> that should be your next restaurant. You call it a squat. Primitive. Primitive eating. Primitive. Hey man, have you seen where they just put the meat right on the coal? They throw the meat right on the fire. Yeah. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try that. Yeah. Get it on the fire. Put it on the yes. That's interesting. What do you uh, do? On the fire. On the coals. I don't know if I've seen that. You're the chef, not me. Don't, yeah, don't, don't I don't come know. to me. I mean, I guess there are some that might do that, but you're going to get your food all ashy. I don't know. Who knows? Yes. You know, you, that's what you would think. I'll yeah. do it and I'll give you a full report. <laughs> I expect it, you know, 10 pages, 1,000 words. No, I'm kidding. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, be a lot a, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be an entire <laughs> volume set of books. Set. Yeah, you're like, this is round one. Okay. Yeah. I love it. That's hilarious. Well, David, I can't tell you uh, how much, uh, just how fantastic this has been speaking to you. I really, I, I've cried laughing a couple of times during this. I wasn't expecting you to do that, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but, well, that's yeah. Uncle Walt's fan, man. Yeah. Totally. A hundred percent. You, you brought the energy. You brought the Uncle Walt's energy to the interview, which is fantastic. And people are going to absolutely love this. I can't wait to piece this all together. Uh, well, it so was a pleasure. It was a real pleasure, man. I appreciate that, David. Yeah. This well, was I awesome. do too. I do too. You uh, enjoy that Dallas, Texas. You're still in Texas, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm never leave Texas. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, well, I have moved out and come, but I always come back. I always come yeah. back. You know, brings me back. Well, that's where I grew up. I'm good. from Texas. I grew up here. So, uh, you know, it's hard to, 
Texas just always pulls you back. It's something about the state. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So. Oh yeah, I know where the carpal bites. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, listen, David. Uh, again, this is just absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, thank you so much, just you know, from us and from the fans uh, for doing this, and um, you know, and for releasing this this re-release here. This is very well, exciting. Thanks, thank you, man. No, thank you. Thanks for what you do. I think it's great. I that's awesome. It. Well, thank you so much, David. I hope you. Uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your, your day. And, uh, you know, I hope you're staying safe out there with everything uh, going on with COVID and all that. So, uh, please, oh, yeah. please stay oh, safe yeah. out there. You Good. do the same. Thank you so stay much. Stay in touch. Thank you so much, all right. David. All right, brother. We'll talk Thank soon. You. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Wanted to uh, play one more final clip of a uh, song before we head out. Okay, um, this song is called If I Don't Stop Crying. If I don't stop crying, I know I'm going to bring down the rain. Oh, if baby says goodbye. Somebody loves you Nobody gonna take your place The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Hey.